Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Last week, we started this amazing book of Edwin Gaines called The Four Spiritual Laws of Prosperity. And last week, we talked about the idea that maybe money isn't quite what we think it is, that maybe money isn't really the source or the intention of what's good in life. It's just perhaps a tool. And so rather than thinking, how do I get money? Maybe we need to think about, well, what is it I would do with the money? Maybe our intentions for moving forward aren't saving up for retirement, but what is retirement for? And so on. The idea of having a purpose in the world, uh, an idea of what we would do with some of the, the goods and services and time that we think is our good, when in reality it's just the finger pointing at something more important. This week we're going to wade into the first of what Edwin Gaines says are the four spiritual laws of prosperity. And the first one is tithing. And I can guarantee you, because I've already done this for the first service, I say the word tithing and some of your eyes, yeah, <laughs> exactly, some of your eyes glaze over and some of your feet feel like they're on fire. <laughs> and so I think the place to start actually by talking about tithing is a joke. I happen to have one here and I think it illustrates the problem. So the Sunday school teacher was just finishing a lesson on tithing and generosity. She tried her best to explain the law of cause and effect and how giving your money to your spiritual source will come back to you multiplied. Now do you know what can happen to children when they don't put their money in the collection plate? The teacher asked. Why, yes, ma'am, the boy blurted out. Then they have money to pay for movies later on. <laughs> I think that's where a lot of people go with this. Tithing was initially started up thousands of years ago, and I'm not making any excuses for it, as a tax. So in ancient times, people didn't actually own the land. A pharaoh owned the land. In medieval society, the kings and, and queens owned the land. It was all divided up in fiefdoms and parcels. And the average person owned very little land potential out in the world. And so every fall when the crops would come in and every spring when the new lambs would be born and so on, who would show up? but the squire or pharaoh or the tax collector and say, all right, I get 10% of the grain or I get 10% of the, uh, of the lambs that were born this year. It was absolutely called a tithe and it absolutely was a tax. And so there's no question in my mind, we should be a little nervous when the word tithing gets banded around, especially in a spiritual setting. Is there an expectation of a tax here? It's like, why not just charge $35 at the door to come in? Let's do it up front and be honest about it, right? So we need, first of all, to get over the idea of somehow that it's a bill to pay or some kind of an expectation of the church or the minister or our board of directors or whatever. Because if we go at giving with the idea that it's a bill, we're going to be sorely disappointed with the results of it. 
typically when we pay our bills, like I just paid kind of an outrageous bill, it seemed like, for our water usage over the summer, right? We have a, a pretty uh, a beautiful lawn, and, and three months of it was kind of like, oh. So I, I pay it, of course, with gratitude for the water, but it's a bill, and I don't expect that somehow the Water Bureau is going to send me money in the mail or, or a voucher for a few, you know, free 100,000 gallons or whatever it is, right? It's a bill to pay. It doesn't have any magic involved in it. And Edwin Gaines would tell us that tithing actually has some magic involved in it. And so let me read to you how she opens this chapter on tithing. And get ready, maybe for a surprise, because I think she's talking about something a little different than what we're used to when we hear the word tithing. So when you think about tithing for the first time, you may hesitate, feeling that you just don't have any extra money to give away. You may worry about the bills that will be coming in. You may wonder how you'll be able to pay them. Well... Don't you think that God knows about your bills? Trust me, God is not going to leave you high and dry. We must believe that God, as the source of all things, will show us how to meet our obligations. Now, perhaps you hesitate to tithe because you have a lot of money in the stock market. You may wonder what would happen to your finances if the market crashes. Or maybe you fear losing your job. But the stock market is not your source of good, and neither is your job. God, infinite God, is the source of all things. And then she says, go ahead and say it out loud. God is my source. There, Edwin, I said it out loud. If you have faith that God truly is your source, you no longer need to worry about what's going to happen in the stock market or whether you're going to lose your job, all you have to be concerned with is your relationship with the infinite source of the universe itself. Now think about this for a minute. Most of us are used to thinking that the source of what we think of as our good, whether it's money or whether it's relationships, we, we tend to think it's something outside ourselves, that it's dependent on a job or our family. It's dependent upon, you know, maybe the, um, I don't know, the vagaries of the world, right? The, the story, her story about the stock market, right? What if I make a wrong investment? We think of us as tying up our good into physical assets, into monetary instruments. I know several people in here right now are, are uh, actually beginning to plan for the retirement. And, and a few of the folks in the room here, in fact, I think this is their last year of, of working for a living. And so I, I'm, you know, I, in my usual method of vaguely overhearing what's going on, there's a sense of, well, what happens if I'm not going to be making any money again? It's as though there's a fear that the source itself has dried up. And if we believe that our good comes from the world, well, that would be a legitimate fear, wouldn't it? Losing a job, um, somehow uh, your, your retirement income, you know, fluxing with the market or some pension plan. Well, of course, if we think that's where our good comes from, it's a cause for pause. But think a moment 
those are merely a reflection of the true source, which is God. And as we learned last month when we were talking about the, the infinite possibilities of the universe, what we realize is that God has an infinite number of ways for you to not only experience love and joy, but also to be prospered. And so then the emphasis isn't so much on, well, what if this job, because God would provide another one. It isn't so much on this stock portfolio. God has an infinite number of ways of showing up in your life with prosperity and what you need. When we come from that place of infinite potential and knowing God is our true source, we can actually step out in freedom. The, the weight of a certain job or a, a certain asset that we may have suddenly lightens up a little bit. It's one of a zillion, so, and that's a technical term, by the way. It's one of a zillion ways in which God can bring you what you need at any given point in time. Now, the law of tithing, as Edwin Gaines explains it, is that as we give, so shall we receive. And so a more modern way that I choose to look at tithing is this. Here at Portland Center for Spiritual Living, when we say tithing, we mean a regular, structured, and intentional gift of time, talent, and treasure. So it's not just money, it's also your volunteerism. It's the expertise that you may bring to, to help us out around here. It is, of course, money as well. We do have uh, you know bills to pay and those podcasts to put out and so on and so forth. But it isn't some magical 10% number. It isn't some uh, hard and fast rule that you have to follow. What it is, is using what she calls the law of tithing. And when we give away freely, the universe will prosper us freely. And in fact, I want to make sure that when we do, uh, do uh, what we think of as a tithe, that we're not thinking of it as a bill. If we think there's an obligation to give back to your spiritual uh, source, some kind of an obligation to give here, it actually kind of ruins the law of tithing. Because what you're saying is it's like a bill to pay, and much in the same way that paying my uh, water bill isn't going to you know, somehow return to me the excess of water. Although, I don't know, today I looked out and maybe I'm getting some of that excess of water. I don't know. But, uh, but right, it has to be that gift that is beautifully and freely given out of faith and joy. That's what activates giving and receiving. And it works with your time, it works with your talent, it works with your money, it works with the joy that's in your heart. You know, one way to look at it is how does love work, right? Is love ever a bill that you have to pay? No. And have you noticed that the freer with which you give your love, the more that you get back. I mean, it's so clear with those of us who volunteer or who have family situations. Uh, you know, one of the, the most pleasant volunteer situations around here, I think, is being an usher and a greeter, right? And just that giving of a handshake or a hug or a program and sensing that energy of love coming in here. I mean, we have people who line up to be an usher and a greeter because it's love in action. That is the law of giving and receiving at work. 
Okay. Now I want to talk a little more specifically about fi uh, financial tithing, and I will share with you my experience of tithing. Well, believe it or not, I started tithing, although it wasn't, that wasn't used as a word, when I was seven years old. And I still remember at seven, my mother, uh, we lived down in Newport, Oregon, and my mom made an actual appointment at the Bank of Newport. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And so we went down to the Bank of Newport, and I really couldn't even reach up to the window. I mean, that was when banks kind of had the, the tall windows, and you know, and so I'm kind of like, hi, my name's Larry, right? And she had arranged for me to have a savings account there, and this is, and I know I'm giving away my age, but that was when savings account actually had a book that you filled out. And so I had my allowance once a week on Sundays, and on Monday morning we would go to the bank and I saved 10% of my allowance. Now my allowance I think was only two or three dollars, but still every week, and, and I'm sure probably the teller at the bank just thought this was the cutest damn thing ever. But anyway, <laughs> here, here was little Larry with, you know, putting his bank book up there and they would write down 10% savings. In, and the other piece of this, and, and mom did it at the same, same time, you know, this is how Larry learns about giving and receiving in the world and, and, and how to be a good manager of money. And at the same time, that same year, she would send me off with 10% of my allowance to go into the collection plate on Sunday. And we talked about giving and receiving and how that would, that would go out into the world. So I have been doing this longer than many of you are alive. And I will tell you, I have never been wanting for anything in my life. I will just boldly say that. I mean, there are moments when I might... Uh, uh, I don't know, complain that it's something I want costs too much, but you know what? It's not really that I couldn't afford it. It's me choosing to spend my money in some other way. Right? All right, now official tithing. So mom never used the T word, which is probably a good thing. Can you imagine explaining to a seven-year-old what tithing is about? You know, it's no, just do this. It'll be good for you. And, and so, uh, so that's how I started. But when I first started coming to a religious science church was this church. It was out on Shaver. And I think it was the second month I went to that church. Edwin Gaines, the author of this book, was doing the sermon on tithing. And she is a spitfire woman. If you ever get a chance to see her on a video or see her in person, she's about four feet 11 uh, and just full of fire. And she waves her arms around and she challenged everybody in the congregation by saying, you cannot outgive God. God is infinity if you want to really put this into motion, and she challenged everyone in the congregation to go home that night, look at their bank records, and pledge 10% of their income to the church. And she made this outrageous guarantee of, if this doesn't turn around your finances and increase your personal blessings, she said to contact the board members at the church and they would return the money. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I hope, I hope she figured that out ahead of time. <laughs> but she's, you know, this is spitfire of a woman. And so, and so 
there was something in me that said, well, okay. Because even though I gave every Sunday, I had never really figured it out as a percentage. I had never really thought about back to when I was seven and we put 10% in the collection plate, right? I'd never really thought about that. So I went home and I was, at the time, I was very successful in the telephone company making a good income and it was with a little bit of a gulp that I said, I will do this. She's right. I can't get out, give God. And there was something about that resonating in my mind. And so that was my tithe from then on. And within three months, I had a promotion and an amazing new job. And even though I was giving the church probably four times as much money as I had been giving it, my take home was more than it was before. Now I gotta tell you, this has been my plan since then, is that because I know I can't outgive God, I've pretty much been giving more to the center here, even now that I'm a minister. Last time I checked, 20% of my salary goes back to the center here, and I give 5% as well to charities. I gotta tell you, I'm set up for retirement. My life is going swimmingly well, getting ready to publish my first novel. Things are amazing in my life financially, and I cannot help but think that Edwin Gaines is simply Right. Now, you may ask me, well, did this crazy woman, <laughs> now that I've described her, you probably have a totally outrageous picture of her, did this crazy woman invent this? And I was sort of curious about this myself, because I know it's not a tax, I know it's not tithing, and although we associate the word with it, I wanted to know where this law of giving and receiving comes from. And I thought, well, maybe it's biblical, I don't know, it seems like a lot of the churches around talk about tithing, and so I did a little research, and I got to tell you, I was astounded. This is not particularly a Christian thing. Here I'm reading from the Quran, from the Muslim tradition. This is from the chapter called Al-Baqarah, verse 245. Who is he that will loan to Allah a beautiful loan, which Allah will double unto his credit and multiply many times for you? It is Allah that giveth you both want or plenty, and therefore to him should be your return. In the Jewish tradition, this is from Proverbs 11, one man gives freely, yet gets even more in return. Another withholds unduly and comes to poverty. Now in the Christian tradition, of course, we're more familiar with these words from Luke. Give it and it will be given back to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured right into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back unto you. And then this one blew me away. This is the Buddha. This is from a Buddha's Sutra of 42, and this is the 10th Sutra. And then the Buddha said, when you see someone practicing the way of giving, aid him joyously, and you will obtain vast and great blessings. A wise woman then asked the Buddha, is there an end to those blessings? And the Buddha answered, consider the flame of a single lamp though a 100,000 people may come and light their own lamps from it so that they can cook their food and ward off the darkness, 
the first lamp remains the same as before, always prosperous. Blessings are like this. So this is sacred teachings from around the world. This isn't something that Edwin Gaines made up. It isn't something that the, the priests you know, made up to come and threaten families with. Well, I mean, the, the idea of the tax might have been that, but the principle of giving and receiving as old as time itself. As you give, so will you richly receive. All right, now are you ready to be scared for your homework this week? I promise you I'm not Edwin Gaines, but I will make a suggestion for you. Starting next week, we're going to have some intentional giving cards, which it might be a way that you could indicate to us what you would like to plan to give us in this coming year, and we would love to honor those. And so your homework this week is simply to ask you, what could tithing mean to you? So I'm not asking you to pony up 10%. I'm not asking you to go over your income taxes or anything crazy like that. But I do know that you value what we do here on Sunday. I do know that many of you are grateful that we exist and the the message of hope and empowerment that we spread out to the world. And I would simply ask you to look into your own hearts and imagine what tithing could mean to you. And, uh, and that would be sufficient because giving and receiving one of the most powerful things on the planet. So I'm going to close today um, with the way Edwin Gaines ends this section of the book on tithing and, of course, a prayer. Here's what she says. At one, point, at one point during my journey towards prosperity, I decided that I wanted to receive more. I had huge debt that I wanted to be free of, and I needed help from God to achieve that. So I decided my new goal was to become debt-free. I felt unsure about how to proceed, so I asked God literally for a sign. I was scheduled to speak at the Religious Science Church in St. Petersburg, Florida, and I was staying at a nearby hotel. During my prayers, I still remember saying, oh God, I need a sign, show me. Well, when I finished my prayers, I looked out of the window of my hotel room. Right outside was a huge lighted billboard, a literal sign. It was from an international diamond marketing company And it said this, raise your standard of giving. So I immediately began to raise my standard of giving. Whatever I was giving, I added another 25% to it. For example, if I was going to give $100 to a charity, I would give $125 instead. So let me tell you, she continues, let me tell you what happened as a result of that. In the very first month, I was able to pay off three quarters of my debt. So much money flowed into my life that it was really unbelievable. Now you understand that the law of giving is this. As you give, so you receive. That puts you absolutely in charge of how much and what you receive. Are you ready to receive more? If you want to receive more but don't know how, here is the answer. Raise your standard of giving. Let us pray. There is one power. 
one presence, one life, one goodness. What I know about this, this thing, regardless of what you call it, is that it is the infinity of the universe itself, all of the good laid out before us, waiting for us to accept it into our own lives. This is God, and I'm right in the middle of it. And so I open my heart and my arms wide to receive, knowing that this life is filled with that sweetness and surrender of giving and receiving always. And so for the people in this room, I perhaps know a greater willingness to take a look at how they might participate in this cycle of giving and receiving. I know a, a willingness on the part of the people here to also bless themselves in knowing what they have already given and with great gratitude participated in this center and their lives. Life itself, a great, great gift. Our time, our talent, our treasure, as we put it to good use, the universe and we are richly blessed. And so for this message of, of hope, this message of certainty around giving and receiving, I give great thanks, I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad you were here. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.